And thank you so much, Drew, for that. And thank you, Earl and Steph, again for welcoming us into your home. And uh, hopefully you can hear the rain outside coming down at this moment. Um, guys, tonight our scripture is from Jeremiah 29. As Drew said, we're going to be talking about church planning. We're going to be talking about uh, cities. And really just the relationship between... Um, wow. The relationship between... Uh, the church and the city, and and why uh, churches should be investing in the cities. Um, so our, our text tonight is from Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 4 through 9. Starting in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so as we've kind of gone through this whole reimagined series, one of the things that we've tried to hit upon is to say, okay, what did we understand about tonight's topic, church and city, what did, and their relationship? What did we understand about the city, maybe in our past, uh, growing up as kids or even uh, young adults? And what do we understand about the church's relationship <coughs> to the city that uh, was not helpful, or maybe even our personal relationship to the church? And for me, uh, two things that came to mind, and we've talked about this before at, at Providencia, but number one is seeing the city as an evil place. Uh, for me, growing up, I saw the city as the place where the crime happened. Uh, that's where the bars were. That's where all the partying happened. That's where the licentiousness was. And so I thought the city was kind of an evil place or a bad place. Um, even, even before I was a Christian, I thought it, it was kind of a, a crime-ridden place. And then uh, the, other, the other part of thinking about the city, especially when I was younger, was that I really used the city. I saw the city as a place that I just consumed, and uh, I didn't really give back to the city at all. I just enjoyed it, and I didn't think about its future, really. I didn't have any vision for it. So those were two kind of negative things that I had toward the city, and actually... Um, they both applied to the church as well. When I had been in the church long enough, even before I got into the church, I thought the church was kind of weird. And then I was in the church long enough to be hurt by the church. And so it was hard to kind of stay in the church. But then there was this other uh, posture, which was to be in the church just to take from the church. In a sense, just to use the church. Um, I mean, I gave very little to my church when I was younger. Um, as far as even just any type of investment with my own personal self. So uh, those, are, those were two themes for me as I thought back about the city 
and the church in particular, but then to dive in even more so to their relationship um, between them is, is where we're going tonight with our scripture. Uh, our scripture tonight is from uh, the Hebrew scriptures, so the Old Testament, um, but it applies because it's the family of God and, and God is speaking to them and talking to them about their relationship with a city. And here's the wild thing about it, is the way in which God is going to call His people to interact, to uh, invest in the city in particular that they're being taken to, which is pretty much one of the most evil cities, according to Scripture, that's ever been. And that is the city of Babylon. Uh, Babylon became famous for me uh, because I used to listen and I still listen to a lot of reggae music but that was the first time I ever heard Babylon repeated so many times often there it is equated to America uh, but in uh, in the Hebrew scriptures Babylon is symbolic and even in the book of Revelation uh, Babylon is again symbolic of this this evil city and yet the way that God calls his people to interact with that city uh, is kind of prof it's profound and it also seems to be contrary to what we might think. Um, and and the three things that we're gonna hit on tonight are innovation, the innovation of the city, the investment, the investment of the church, and the flourishing, the flourishing of all. So we're going innovation, investment, and flourishing. And just in case you want to bring this closer to home, uh, this idea of Babylon, we actually have a book written uh, about Palm Beach called Palm Beach Babylon, the sinful history of America's super rich paradise. So if you want a, a nice little uh, you know, read on the beach there, you can check that book out. But it, it goes through the, the lives of so many um, historic figures throughout this country's history that have been super wealthy, super powerful, and also the corruption connected to it. So uh, Babylon is even a name associated here with our little chunk of paradise. Um, but tonight, as we get into this first segment, the, the first thing I want to talk to us about is innovation. Innovation. And when we look at verse 4, it says, To all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the city that we're going to focus on is Babylon here tonight. Um, that Babylon was a city of incredible in innovation. In fact, this is where Hammurabi's code uh, is, is first developed. This is predates, in many ways, Mosaic Law. So you have this first law code coming out of the city. You have the, the hanging gardens, these beautiful gardens, uh, the walls of the city. Uh, Babylon was this incredible city, beautiful city. And um, if you read any writers who write about Babylon outside of the Bible, uh, most of them talk about it as this awe-inspiring city. But when you read about it in the Bible, uh, the majority of the verses about Babylon, if not all of them, are in a negative context about the realities of the evil in that place. Uh, that word Babylon may bring up another word for you that, that takes us back to Genesis chapter 11, which is the word Babel. Uh, Babylon is where Babel, the Tower of Babel, will be built. And that's our first skyscraper, if you will. And if you remember that text, it says that the people were trying to build a tower up to heaven. So the type of innovation that happens in the city, when you get all these image bearers together 
and you put them in a tight, compact area, the city creates this space for innovation. Uh, it's, it's incredible the amount of innovation that actually happens around the world today in our global cities. If you want to go see where the innovation is taking place, you go to the global cities of the world. And essentially, in five or ten years, the other cities will follow what's happening in those cities. Um, but Babylon here, in, in Scripture, has, has this negative uh, emphasis. So that the innovation that is happening there uh, is not for the good of all. That maybe it's just for the good of few. And that's why Scripture continues to challenge it and continues to uh, basically call it out. Um, Babylon has swept across the region at this time uh, when, it, when it has taken Israel into exile. Um, they are uh, enslaving people. They're uh, taking their land. There are things happening in Babylon. Uh, there's real evil there. And yet there's also this incredible... Uh, innovation. And the question that we're thinking of tonight as we think about innovation, as we think about the church and its relationship to the city, is why would the church want to be in a city like that? And that God, as we are going to unpack this, calls us first and foremost to be in that place. That God took the people of Israel to this city, this evil city, for a reason. Possibly could it be that this innovation could be turned for the good. When innovation is there, when these image bearers are there, and that good could actually potentially happen at that city level, what are the possibilities to imagine an entire city gaining a reputation of something that's good? Maybe you can think of a city like that. Maybe you can think of a city. Sometimes people will say things about cities like, oh, well, that's a family-friendly city. Um, but, but to make it more specific to biblical things, um, that that's a generous city. Have you ever heard that about a city? That, that that could be the realities if the church is rooted in the city. Um, and we realize that West Palm Beach... Here in South Florida, in general, this, this region has some major challenges. But we believe that God has actually called us to be here. And we actually believe that God wants to see more churches planted here. More of his people established here. Um, part of my cultural upbringing is to be critical. Um, I learned this both in my high school as a, uh, in literary classes, that we were to dissect things and to be critical of things. But I also uh, learned this in my own personal life and applied it in my faith very early on. Um, coming from the faith tradition that I did, part of one of the things that I was called to do was to examine myself and to see my sin and to repent of it. Um, but I was already pretty good at that before I became a Christian. Um, and I had a lot of critique of myself. I was very cynical about myself, and I definitely have grown in that area. One area that has been more challenging for me, though, is actually to be uh, positive about the church. Um, when I was in seminary, I remember having a class with a man who is a self-professed uh, cynic named Steve Brown. And uh, Steve said, listen, 
you can be cynical all you want about the church. You can be critical all you want about the church. And while, while he was saying this, Katrina was bearing down on New Orleans. He said, you know who will be the first to show up in masses in New Orleans? It'll be the church. And you know who will be there for the next year? The church. And you know who will continue serving there? The church. And you know who's probably still going to New Orleans today, you know, 15 years later, uh, to continue to help rebuild? The church. No institution in the world has invested more in me locally than the church. I would not be here today personally if it were not for the church. And I believe that about each of the people uh, here in this room. So though I can be very critical of something that I love, um, tonight I actually want to talk about the positives of, of the church and the gift of the church. As we are called as the body to invest in the city. So the city has this place of innovation. And we as the church, as we're going to get to this next section of scripture, are called to invest there. We're called to invest there. This is uh, verses 5 and 6. That Jeremiah the prophet um, is relaying God's word. He's saying, build houses in Babylon. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat. Marry. Build families. Increase. Don't decrease. Invest in the city. And, and as I said earlier, this would seem to go in, in, uh, to be contrary to what we would think uh, God would want us to be doing in a city that is so evil. But he's saying, no, I want you to build houses there. And you can imagine these people, they've been taken in exile there. They're thinking in the back of their heads, how long are we going to be in this place? Um, I mean, that's probably a question many of us ask here in West Palm Beach. It's such a transient area. Maybe you're a grad student or maybe you're a young professional and you're thinking, well, we don't know exactly how long we're going to be here. But one of the things I want to implore you tonight is to invest in this city by actually buying a house here. And we actually are connected uh, through Scott Hansel and through Community Partners with a program that actually helps people buy, buy houses here. So if you are interested in that, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Scott Hansel. We can send you links for that. Because the city needs people to actually buy houses here. If you don't understand the, the significance of that reality, look at our empty condos downtown. Look at the condos in our city that are owned by people who do not live here. So they are not here all throughout the year. And what does that do to the infrastructure of the city? What does that do to the life of our city? It means that people are not here year-round investing in the city. You know, oftentimes we think of in the church, maybe the, what the church is investment or what their role in the city is supposed to be maybe what we saw in front of us at times as far as the church being represented on the street corner was a guy standing with a bullhorn yelling at people uh, scripture verses but let me tell you that one of the things god called his people to do was to buy houses in the city so we want to help you uh that this is actually a call of the church tonight we're getting to be in a house Earl and Stepha's house. They have stake here in this city. They own ground here in this city. They've invited us into their home. And that this is part of the realities 
of what does it mean to be able to buy a house is that they are able to show hospitality uh, to us and to their city. And then this next part says to settle down um, in this time of great uncertainty, to learn to breathe, to root yourself, to find the water sources here, to make uh, West Palm Beach your home, and that we're called to do this together, that we are called into this work. And then he says to plant gardens. Uh, if any of you know Hope, she's single-handedly trying to plant gardens across uh, our city. If you have space in your yard, I think she'll come and plant at least tomato plants there. Um, we have friends. I know uh, Leah Gooley and Taylor, they have friends that uh, own property in Jupiter. And, and, and this lady, her, her job is actually helping people plant gardens in their yards. It's amazing to, to me that we have become a world, become a society where we do not have fruit, where we do not have uh, vegetables, where we do not have things we can eat growing in our yards. Um, that, that God actually tells the people, hey, plant, be fruitful, like grow food here in the land. Um, and if you want to see someone who's grown a lot of plants, just go to Pam's office or her house. Uh, she has about 200 potted plants, I believe, last time I counted. Um, and see, the reason Jeremiah the prophet was saying this is because there are false prophets going around and they're telling the people of Israel, they're telling God's people, they're saying, hey, don't build houses here, don't plant gardens here, don't increase here, decrease, stay small, because we're just going to hold our breath and wait till this thing gets over. And Jeremiah is saying, no, that is not what God has called us to do. He wants you to get your hands dirty in the dirt. Um, that we have a faith big enough, big enough for us to be invested in a city like Babylon. That we have a faith big enough, nuanced enough, that it helps us uh, navigate the gray areas of life that that's part of what it means for us to be grounded in his word and also to be grounded in this community. That together we actually help each other navigate uh, the gray spaces of the city. What does it mean to be a financial advisor in the city? What does it mean for the banks to be healthy here in our city? What does it mean for real estate here to be equitable in our city? These are questions together that God has called us in his word and with the word as a foundation to answer. Um, and in essence, take ownership of your city, your region, uh, if you want to break it down, your neighborhood, your industry, and invest in it. We are all artists. Shape it with the beauty of the gospel. Live it out with your community. Uh, this is why at Providencia, uh, we gather each week as a body for this thing called worship to remind ourselves to encourage ourselves in this investment to invest in each other um, this is why we have counseling and soul care this is why we believe so passionately about listening to our city this is why we've built houses in our city with habitat for humanity this is why we have free educational tools for our city through university um, this is why we've been helping people find work through this pandemic. 
This is why we've planted trees from the city in our yards. Go to Drew's house. He has 10 of them. Um, and gardens. This is why we talk about your faith and your work and the relationship between them because we really want you to not just take ownership of your bank account, but to take ownership of your job, your industry, to get vision for it, to bring your industry under the account of Scripture and say, okay, what does it look like for my industry to reflect uh, godly principles and we cannot do this work alone uh, as many of you know uh, Chadwick Boseman died this past week and um, you know he was in Jackie Robinson film that was filmed in my hometown in Chattanooga a little bit so I felt you know kind of close to him back then and then when he did Black Panther it was like a whole other level um, and there's an interview uh, that that I posted from Sirius XM where he is talking about the work in Black Panther and and that these kids that he had connected with who had cancer, uh, these black kids, that they were waiting for Black Panther. They were trying to stay alive in, until it came out. And, and he's talking about his passion, his hope, his work. And Bozeman, I, I've learned that he, he had a very strong faith, that he was a Christian, that he was raised in a Christian home, raised in the church. And... Um, and he's talking about it, and he's and, and little did I know at the time when I first saw it that he actually had cancer himself. But that this man, these 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 kids that he doesn't even know, that he is he has crafted his life, the direction of his life, in such a way, his purpose in life in such a way that he's living his life for the sake of others. That he's living his life in such a way, even as he is in the process of fighting cancer and facing his own mortality and death. That what moved him to tears was thinking that he could be giving hope to these kids that he had never met. He just connected with them through uh, social media. It heard some of their story. So to see him talk about that after the fact of knowing what he was suffering uh, behind the scenes... Um, moved me to tears uh, when I found out about his death because I went back to that interview and, and watched it and and to think that he was living with that in, in a way secretly knowing what was coming. Um, and this brings us to this this last part that that the church is supposed to be invested in the city for the flourishing of all. That that we're not just here to see the flourishing of few that we're actually called to our cities, to love our cities, for the peace and prosperity of the city, the whole city. You know, often in my Christian faith, I was trying to dice, like, you know, uh, who was in, who was out, um, because they were going to get, uh, I was supposed to be, you know, giving them some type of uh, love, and, and that God calls us to love, open-handedly, open arms, the city. That when Jesus looked at the city, when he knew what he was facing in his own mortality, that he himself was going to be taken to the cross, that he wept for the city. In that moment, he's not weeping for himself, but he's weeping for his love for the city. That he wants the city to know how much he loves them. 
that he's trying to invest in them in such a way to give them hope and life. And that is what um, we see in the life of Jesus. In verse 7, for the flourishing of all, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And that word peace and prosperity is really captured in the word shalom. The wholeness and the completeness. And that this is really the work of Jesus. That Jesus, because of his life, because of the gospel, because he's given his life in the way that he has, that he creates the space for people to become whole. That he creates the space for industries to become whole. That he creates the space for neighborhoods to become whole. That this is the life and the work of Jesus. That while we were still his enemies, he would give his life for us. Church, this is our call uh, as his people. That we're called to try to bless our city, to bring shalom to our city. Are there going to be people who reject our work, reject your work? Yes. There's going to be evil. There's going to be suffering. But that we are to work towards that. This is the call Jesus has on our life. There is a city within that Jesus takes us to in our own stories, in our own hearts. And he embraces that city and calls us into wholeness with it.